everybody, it's Buzz. Before we get started on today's edition of Third Degree the Podcast, I just wanted to remind you that Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. That's your source for FC Dallas national team, international club gear. Check out all the new rivals from around the world, Serie A, Premier League, Bundesliga, and MLS club merch. Remember, Third Degree listeners get 20% off at Soccer90.com. With the promo code third degree, some exclusions apply, but that code does work on the new FC Dallas jerseys. Now, get one, get one, and enjoy it. Wear with pride. Also, don't forget to support us at Patreon.com/slash Third Degree if you like this podcast. On with the show. Dallas curious fans, welcome to another episode of Third Degree the Podcast. Howdy, it's me, Peter. And as always, joined via the miracle of the internet first by my good friend Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Howdy, Peter. Good to speak with you, sir. Are you enjoying the Texas heat and that big old beard of yours at the same time? Uh, no, it's uh it's pretty it's pretty damp. Does it make <laughs> Gross. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you shave it then? No. Oh, okay. The missus wouldn't go for that. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, and back in his home in Arlington, Texas, the good Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Yeah, so hello, Peter, calling in from my actual house this time. For, I feel like it's been a while. Episode 167, by the way, if you're keeping track of Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I forgot to do the shout-out for the episode number, number 167. Well, it's been a bit of a week, boys. Uh, I... Uh, I had a friend of mine from London who uh, sent me a note in the waning minutes before the kickoff against Vancouver, and he says, you know, I'm up and I don't feel tired. I think, oh, look, they're showing the Dallas-Vancouver game all the way over here in London. I think I'll watch it. (laughs) What a dog. And then I proceeded to get lots of uh, very polite questions as to the quality of my soccer club that I follow and have been uh, touting so much with him lately, (laughs) especially after minute number two. So, uh, yeah, didn't go very well as Dallas ended up losing at home in an embarrassing fashion to Vancouver. And I was having a back and forth buzz with some people in your Discord. Yeah. Because some of the some of the fans uh, and subscribers had described it as a rusty performance, and I was trying to ask the question: Is it rust, or are we starting to see a run of form? Because Dallas now has lost three of four; they've given up two goals in three of their four last games, and after giving up eight goals in their first ten games, they've now given up seven in their last four games. So, Buzz was two nothing Vancouver rust. Or is this just who they are now? Well, uh, it's entirely possible that losing three or four is who they are right now. But this specific game was a for me was the the game that convinced me that not only should we look at Matt Hedges as the defensive player for player for this team, MVP of this team, that he should be elevated into the MVP discussion for this team. Because when Matt Hedges is missing, this team is horrible. 
And it doesn't matter whether it's defensively horrible or offensive horrible. When you don't have Matt Hedges, this team stinks. And this game was a perfect example of that, offensively and defensively both, when that guy's not in there. And it's amazing that that happens on offense, too, because otherwise it's hard to explain exactly what's going on because the play looks the same. It's just terrible. And so I don't, I don't really know what to put my finger on other than Matt Hedges was missing. Well, it, is, it does. It's a pretty clear uh, indicator of things that you have talked about as yeah. concerns in this team. One, Matt Hedges and the value of Matt Hedges. And two, your long-running concern about what happens when this high efficiency of conversion of the very few chances they do create stops. Yeah, that was our thing we talked about last week, in fact, uh, as like the big red flag for the back half of the season. You know, we, Dan had the stat that he had competed to that matched up with the, some work I did a couple of years ago about all the efficiencies of every team we've had here and how this one was so far beyond everything else. And this was the to- this game was the total opposite of that. I mean, 16 shots, ordinarily on paper, you'd say 16 shots is fantastic. Very happy with 16 shots. You're creating back to front. No problem. Lots of scoring opportunities. But when you only have one shot on goal, that's a big, big problem. The other team had four shots total, and they outshot you on shots on goal two to one. So there's a significant problem there. Uh, There were a little more shots from outside the box than inside, but not catastrophically so. Vancouver had a whole lot of blocks, and Vancouver plays a mid to low block all the time. They're a team that doesn't want the ball. And this is a problem we've seen for years with Dallas in, in particular, and it's been a, true of this team this year. Vancouver is their new bogey team, in, in fact, the last several years because of this trait. Dallas really, really, really struggles to break down a low block and or a mid to a low block as Vancouver more is likely to be. They don't want the ball. They're happy to have you have the ball. I mean, it's 68% possession to 30-something, whatever. That, that's ridiculous. So this is a big problem, and if other teams do this to Dallas, Dallas is going to struggle the back half of the season. Hopefully other people won't do it, or hopefully Estevez will figure out some ways to solve this because right now it's not working. So, Dan, in your write-up of the game, you went through uh, a pretty uh, tall effort to kind of really sketch out what happened in that first couple of minutes on that goal. I really appreciate the video that you uh, edited together and kind of the breakdown in that moment. And it really, I mean, the big note, the big thing for me is, is that that first goal probably doesn't happen if Matt Hedges is playing, because I think the initial mistake is Tafari following his mark so far out into the middle of the field. And I just don't know if Matt does that. You in agreement with me, or do you think something else happens first? Uh I think honestly, even before that, just uh, Emma Tomasi, you know, supporting play gets forward, ball goes out for the throw in. He doesn't, he hesitates on whether to kind of press uh, the the closest player to him in the event that he receives the ball or or to retreat. He just kind of stands there and then walks a little bit as it's played back for the long ball downfield. I think Matt Hedges is shouting at him to get back or get forward, do one or the other, and then mm-hmm. probably, like you say, not sending Tafari to cover. Um, I think, you know, Jose Martin- Martinez would have made much more sense to kind of at least try and challenge for that header and then leave Tafari and Farfan back with that little bit more pace to to cover the two-on-two. But um, yeah, I think I think both goals just came down to defensive organization, which that's that's Matt Hedges. Um, you know, we saw Martin Paz try to call a three-man wall with 
the three shortest guys in the team. <laughs> um, left the shortest guy on the field as the outside man on a on a three man wall. He said to me before uh, in the locker room, uh, on a, who's he? Uh, pass. Oh, okay. Um, he said to me before in the locker room on I can't remember which game it was, but it was a recent one where they uh, conceded off a set piece. He said, "Oh, I uh, I called a three man wall, and I could I should have called a four man wall." It happened again. Hmm. Um, you know, the only reason the defenders switch out is because you can see in the clips that the bench is screaming at Tafari, Yuri Martinez, get in the wall now. It's just um, that, that's the sort of stuff you need Matt back there. Or Ryan was pretty good at that, kind of barking orders of people trying to get him in the right positions, even if he was pretty bad at not getting in the right positions himself. Just having someone that's communicating constantly. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of disturbing aspects to the set. I mean, there's a lot of disturbing aspects to both goals. The second one in particular, for a lot of the things that you talked about, the the, the remaining item is the lack of effort <laughs> to even attempt to block the shot by somebody in the wall. And I'll get into that in a, in a few minutes. But Buzz, I, I kind of want to go back to uh, the, the, the other parts of the game and the team, which is this kind of weird, uh, sense that there's whatever was working originally with this team doesn't seem to work specifically because it's a mid to low block opponent. And so my question is, why would anybody play Dallas any differently than Vancouver did last Saturday? Well, the reason you wouldn't is because you don't know how to play that way or not good that way. Like if you don't have any forwards that can counterattack, you know, or if you're not good at set plays, that's what Vancouver is, is good at set plays, you know, which is obviously one of Dallas's problems because, you know, FC short. So they've given up a lot of goals on set plays and PKs this year, which has to do, of course, with where you foul people, which is also one of their weaknesses. So why you wouldn't play against them would be like, that's just not what you do. Like if you're a team that wants the ball and your offense feeds off having the ball, you know, everyone, no one in MLS is good enough. Really. I don't think to completely alter the way they play based on who the opponent is. I mean, people do a little bit, you know, but it's, it's very difficult to completely change your stripes. Uh, so, at halftime, when he makes the changes, uh, am, am I to assume that the reason why you put Hara on is because you've decided the only way to beat the mid block or low block is by doing a thousand death by a thousand crosses, and he's yeah. the only guy that has any height to him whatsoever? I mean, I'm assuming that's the tactical yeah. adjustment there. Well, I actually did a burn about this earlier in the week because um, they're not there weren't a lot of options available to him. Um, it's actually a problem. I think that in the big picture, as you try and build this team to be better, you know, over the next year or something that you have to address, because think about what your choices are. You know, it, you, even if you think Ariola and Velasco are playing poorly and, and Ariola actually thought was fine. Maybe Velasco wasn't having the greatest game, but your only option there is Obreon. And what's a guy like he, which is a one trick vertical guy. What is he going to do? against a low block, nothing. You can't get behind him. Mm. You know, so he tried to use O'Brien the only way he could think of, which was to put him an outside back and hopefully that he could overload, you know, and get some extra body in there. That's the idea behind that. So your only option really, because the, the thing that you don't have on this team also is you don't have more guys that can dribble penetrate from midfield. You don't have a De Bruyne or a, 
in style. I don't mean you're not going to get that guy. You don't have a Mauro Diaz. You don't have someone who can put the ball at their feet and go at guys other than Jesus or Ariola or Velasco who are already in the game. Like you don't have anybody else to go to. So you bring in Hara. Uh, yes, you get like that post-up kind of look and you move Jesus back to a place where he's going to now try and penetrate or sling passes or whatever. And you, and you took off Cervania and you let Paxson do what he does, you know, his box to box thing. He does still do that, but you didn't have anybody on the bench, you know, like Shun has not proved that he could help. He wasn't even there. There's nobody that you have that you can go, Oh, I can bring that guy on for a complete change. Or I can bring that dude on and like as a set, another guy to dribble it. There isn't anybody. So you're really running out of options into what you can do. He really only had the one choice, which was to bring on Frank Lahara. You, you got Benny Regis on the bench, who even if you really like Benny's potential, and I'm not saying I do, but let's say if you do, an 18-year-old kid or 19 or whatever he is, you're just hoping he's going to have a prayer moment. Well, that's not really that's not really a viable, like, oh, that was a good coaching move. That, that would have just been a prayer, a mm-hmm. home, Hail Mary. That's not going to do anything. Khalil's not really done anything. You you brought on later on. He brought on a settling who at least can progressively dribble. But he you know he he picks up the ball. He moves forward to midfield. But he doesn't attack guys one on one and break down a low block. He had nothing. He had nobody else to go. The the the, front, the uh, Hara move dropping Jesus back was the only move he had, and that was basically what they tried to go with, and it was unsuccessful. So I was looking at the stats because, again, I'm kind of going back to this. Is this a, a game uh, as a product of rust or is this a run of form? And one of the stats that I was able to pull up is that if you go back to these four games with the three losses, the game in Vancouver, the team had 16 shots, only one on goal. And then the loss in Minnesota, uh, 19 shots with only three on goal. And then the win in Orlando, 13 shots, but you converted six of those on goal. And then Vancouver, I'm sorry, I'm doing this in the wrong order. The first Vancouver game was uh, 12 shots with three on goal. The last one was 16 shots and one on goal. So, I mean, Buzz, where do you feel like, or what do you think is the cause in this kind of sudden, not sudden over the course of these four games, but in compared to what was going on in the games prior to this, uh, the loss of um, the efficiency. Because even when they yeah. were was, even when they were winning games, it wasn't like they were outperforming their XG by some sort of alarming amount. No. No, but the, the shot on goal to, to shot on target to shots ratio was what was positive. You know, that most of the season, without looking, I'm going to say they were near 50%, which is really high. So that's really good. I think all those teams, Vancouver twice, obviously, low block. Minnesota, relatively speaking, likes to play low to mid and counter. They're a very direct sort of team. The mm-hmm. one oddity in there is um, Orlando, where th- they had you know a better ratio. Uh, again, that's a, that, but that's a road game, right? Or am I losing my mind? What? Which one? Orlando. Yeah. No. It's yeah. A road Orlando game. was in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, it's a road game, so that's that's the typical. You know, the, the uh, what Orlando's a decent team, and you're going on the road, and they're trying to play that grind out and kill the game mentality. So, sort of twelve shots in that environment with you know that number of shots on goal, that's relatively normal for the things they try and do on the road, and it was successful since they won three to one. You know, so really, it's just a double Vancouver and a Minnesota who plays a style relatively similar. It's not as deep as Vancouver, so it's just. 
again, you bring up the question, why wouldn't everybody play this way against Dallas? And that's a really good question because it's pretty obvious that they've struggled with that, you know, and, and you hope that you hope there's not a lack of focus with Jesus or, or Areola being gone or, or disconnects with Velasco or, or Paxton being, I mean, Paxton looks fresh to me. I don't think it's that Cervania got back in the game. Except, and he looks except for the eye, except for the eye, but <laughs> you know, like he, a, he looks he like a character the, out of a Rocky yeah, movie. <laughs> he did. He did. But you know, he looked bright the whole time until he sort of hit what is seems like it's likely like a minute restriction. Cause they keep trying to seem to bring him out like at 60 and 70. So, um, again, it's a, it's a small enough sample that I feel like that three out of four really is just the double Vancouver and then the Minnesota, you know, which was kind of a fluky game a little bit, but you know, Minnesota, I'm going to try and call that stat up real quick from my memory. Minnesota didn't have like a large amount of possession in that game. They just were pretty decisive with their, with their opportunities. If I remember, they almost, yeah, that's 67% possession for Dallas and 32 for Minnesota. So it's the same thing. So you're basically looking at the three losses are, are either Vancouver or a team that played like Vancouver. You know, so it really mm-hmm. is the bogey, that idea that we're just going to sit back here and let you come at us, you know, and, and clog up stuff and make it hard for you to score. You know, teams that want to play with Dallas is where they're more successful, like Orlando, who wants to play, you know. So, uh, Dan, are, Dan, are you uh, are you concerned about this club at, at this team at this point? No, entirely. Um, they have the system that they struggle to play against. They had it last year too. Um, but like Buzz says, not everyone can just go and become a, a mid to low block team. Not everyone can become a a club like Gagan Press team. It's you know we're we're in that league of parity of um, not not the the most versatile of players, and the first, you know the first third of the season doesn't seem like just a fluke. It, it seems like that should really be the path of the course if you at least well as long as you uh, you still have Ariola and uh, Ferreira keeping somewhat consistent and keeping the team healthy because it's uh, certainly not a team with a great deal of depth that's when you start seeing you know Martinez drop out and and, and Hedges uh, especially with the talk of this injury um, you know that, that that's that's more the worry is if anything comes from that yeah so what is the latest on the injury uh, of Matt Hedges buzz I've, I've seen a couple of different things I thought I saw Shin and then earlier today I thought I saw Garrett uh, tweet out that it was his yeah. knee. Well, as we were, I was discussing with Garrett on Twitter at, uh, around the game itself. He first mentioned shin, and then after the game, he mentioned that coach called it like a knee thing. But they were sort of indicating that top of the knee, bottom of the sorry, top of the shin, bottom of the knee, kind of uh, uh, where, you, where you know where your doctor when you were a kid would hit you with a little hammer. Yeah, and make patella your tendon. But, yeah, yeah it's patella kind tendon. Of, there you go. Whatever. Yeah, that kind of area was kind of what I was getting the indication. Sort of. I'm, I'm just completely speaking from Twitter interaction here. That's not that's official. Um, but today in the press conference, uh, and at, Garrett tweeted. I did not go to training, but Garrett, who works for the team, tweeted out that Matt had just did trains a day, and that he had an MRI, and the MRI was clear enough that they're now expecting Matt to be available this weekend. And if he trained, that likely is the case. So 
it seems to be not that big of a specific worry. The only worry will be if it, we continue to see him have little problems over the course of the season. And then that's when you'll start to worry about Hedges because of his age. You know, his, it takes him a slightly longer to recover. Okay. I feel like this is the uh, appropriate place in this episode to uh, talk a little bit about Allen. Mm, Mr. Velasco? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we all have to go into this remembering he's 19 years old. He's playing outside of his own country for the first time. I, I can't imagine what uh, shifting your life uh, from Argentina to Frisco, Texas must be like. All of those difficulties, and clearly, you know, based on what he was posting online, he was having some, you know, I think I think it's fair to say homesickness issues. Uh, we saw that he went home. He came back, brought his family back with him to Frisco, apparently to live here, I think. Is that correct we're hearing? Is that, he's, that his uh, family's actually moving here? I don't know about that. Oh, okay. They just came back with him to hang out or as whatever. As far as I know, yeah. Him. Okay. Um, so I, I got to say... I, I, I'm trying to be as pragmatic about this as possible, but I have, you know, the the episode in the wall where he doesn't even make an attempt to head the ball is maddening unto itself. But the one thing I, you know, because you 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 see these kids come to Major League Soccer and you can pretty much guess that some things are going to happen. But the one thing that has now continuously seen. Uh, occur with Velasco and that I didn't have on my bingo card is him getting stone cold uh, dispossessed in one-on-one duels against the most average MLS of defenders. And that seems to be happening game in and game out of late. Yeah. I think he lacks a little soccer maturity, you know, as Dan demonstrated in his piece, people are now not passing in the ball when he's open, which is a bad sign. You see every once in a while some gesticulation in his direction. He's a little bit of a black hole right now on the field. When you pass him the ball, he he tries to take somebody on and, and either does something really nice one out of ten times and the other nine times he loses it. And, and so people will quit passing you the ball if you don't pass it back to them. So some of those things like trying to take a guy on every time, even if you're not in a good position, rather than you know just – turn it this is a luchism right recycling it although oscar used to do that all too to talk about recycling it um you know there's some poor decisions that are happening some soccer maturity decisions but the the other moments are when he has these moments of sublime skill and you see such quality with the touch and some crazy things can happen he can make some magical moments so you're probably given how much you paid for him and how much you could be worth you're probably willing to deal with a lot of those pains and have to play through them. A lot of that stuff will only come with time, with play and maturity. And, and hopefully guys that are role models and leaders will grab them by the neck and be like, okay, listen, young man, here's the way we need to go. It can't all be the coach. It's gotta be, you know, your Ariel is in your, in your Frank O'Hara's and probably even Jesus too. You know, um, I think it's okay to let him play through it you know, if, if there was a guy on the bench, you know, that was more ready to be like really a game changer, like Obreon has some decent qualities, but it, I don't know that he has enough that I'm saying bench Velasco for him rather than I, I related to the idea of when um, a Facundo versus Edwin, it's, it's a totally different position, but like Facundo is what he's going to be. 
right? Mm-hmm. If he's better than Edwin, I understand that. But this is not, in my mind, this is not an MLS Cup winning season. I'm willing to play Edwin every single game so that a year or two from now, Edwin is capable of taking you to an MLS Cup. Because Fukuno's not going to get better, and Edwin's going to get better for six seasons. So it's the same thing with Ariola. Obrian's not going to get any not Ariola, excuse me, Velasco. It's like Obrian's not going to get any better. So okay, I'm willing to play in Velasco. There's going to be pains, and we're definitely going through those pains and seeing those pains. You know, there's no question that it's not going great, but I don't think it's quite enough that I'm ready to like sit him down or anything. I think it's okay to play through it. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I, you can tell the kid sure. just has absolute boxes of talent somewhere in there, and it just needs to figure out a way to get it unlocked. But I, th- th- there are moments where I can't tell if he's not trying hard enough or he's trying too hard. And I, and I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense, but that's the only way I can explain it when I watch him play. Right. Well, if, if Shun were here and he was killing it in training – and he'd come in like six times and had four assists. We'd be like, okay, give Shun a shot. But nobody is really, I mean, uh, do we want to put Obreon in over him? I, I don't think I do, you know. No. And there's nobody else really making me think, okay, that dude's doing some things. Let's put him in there for a bit and see how it goes. There isn't anybody else. So I'm okay with playing playing the kid in. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting because if you, if you dig into the stats, Velasco sits at a pretty miserable success rate in dribbles, at least as uh, FB Ref defines it, dribbles. MLS calls it duels, and I think they must more liberally define what that action is. But an FB Ref, they call it a dribble, and his success rate, I was just going to ask you guys, what do you think Alan Velasco's success rate on dribbles is? Unless you've already seen it, why don't you take a guess, Dan? I'll let you go first. 35%. Okay, you've already looked at it, you bastard. Oh, I would have said 20. No, I haven't. Oh, it's 36.4%. That's better uh, than I expected. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, Paxton, by the way, is running at 70%. Right, yeah. Brandon Cervania is running at 84%. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I mean, it's, it goes back to, you know, we're talking about him being a young player and you know, obviously he can play soccer, but he has to learn how to play his soccer and what that would be. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, Mara Diaz here would make those mazy runs around players, you know, uh, do a little step over, go around someone, or you get a Michael Barrio sort of speeds past them. And, you know, thankfully, uh, a player like Obreon and, and Sheen both understand that they are the, the latter type. Velasco also thinks he is, but he's not fast. He right. just runs straight at players and kind of hopes for the best. And his best run, uh, that, that goal against Nashville, he just ran straight. He should have been tackled five times, got awful defending. And now everyone's just like, yeah, I'll stick a foot in. What's yeah. the worst that happens? He takes a spectacular dive. Uh, well, I, 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 my big concern is that, I, as I said, I started off this part, was my biggest concern is that he's not even beating the most average of MLS defenders on the regular. Uh, and I, that's the part that I find really disconcerting. Like, if he was getting stoned by Walker Zimmerman every week in and week out, or that level of, of defensive back, then that wouldn't bother me as much. But, uh, you know, I've seen, I've, I, I swear it was the Red Bull game. There was a kid playing against him that was younger than he was that beat him more times than not, uh, when they were faced up against each other. 
The other stat in here that kind of caught me off guard, and this is why you tend to focus on things like goals and assists, Paul Areola's dual success rate is at 25%. Mm. Wow. He's actually less than Velasco. But they're different players, right? Like, Areola isn't really a a beat-a-guy kind of winger. He's a run-into-space-and-do-something-with-it kind of guy. Velasco's game is beating people. At least that's what we were told, and that's not what he's doing. At least we're not seeing it yet. Yeah, the the volume of the duels would be a big factor there. I mean, yeah, uh, Areola's playing about as good as he's ever played in this league. I mean, he's had a spectacular season. So it just goes to show you that duels aren't... I guess the thing that would be the real red flag is if defenses start ignoring Velasco. Like currently when he drifts inside, the center backs pick him up and pay very close attention and have to compensate. And that still creates space for um, Jesus Ferreira. If they quit doing that and then all of a sudden there's, and then they just sit on Jesus as a double team, then it's a problem. And then you have to do something about it. Are you suggesting that he's going to become Roland Lamar? I fucking hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there does appear to be uh, a bit of frustration with his teammates and Velasco. There, you know, um, I saw it a little bit in person when when I've the couple of times I've seen the team in person. Um, but on TV, even every once in a while, you can see several different people kind of gesticulating at him and 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 trying to figure out what he's doing. I, Buzz, I don't know if you have a better sense yeah. as to what it is that Velasco is doing that's driving everybody else nuts. Just that, you know, if you don't pass the ball back, people want the ball back. You know, if if you're not going to do combinations, then people aren't going to want to engage with you. You know, if if it's the Roland, not Roland Momal wasn't a good example. He's not a black hole. But there are players that are black holes. The, um, you know, the, the ball goes into their feet. They're going to shoot it. They're going to make a successful play, or they're going to lose the ball. You know, it, no one likes to play with a player like that. It's a team game, not an individual game. You know, you're not. It's not like, well, the, I'm not going to say the NBA is not a team game. But the modern NBA, you set up isolations and guys go one on one. Soccer's not like that in, yet. You know, there are dudes that are like that, probably messy, but this kid's not messy, so. He probably wants to be, but he ain't yet. So yeah, yeah. But you got to pass even. But Messi passes the ball back. You know, it's a big difference. He, he he's successful nine out of ten times, and he has a whole, whole boatload of assists. I mean, every time you see the, the stats for Messi, he's got fifty goals, fifty assists, or something like that. You know, it's important to play with your teammates, even if you're the brightest player in the world. I think as well. You know, a player like Messi, he loses the ball. It, it you know the player who tackles him advances ten yards. Where's Messi? He's trying to win the ball back. There were countless times where Velasco would get forward, lose the ball, and then just walk back real slow. And he's the furthest guy up the field. He's on. He's at this point on the opposite side of the field from the ball. That's that's not good team play. That's not the sort of thing. Okay, yeah, I definitely want to win the ball back to get it back to him. It's no, I'm gonna get it on the. I'm gonna get it to Paxton or or. Uh, someone else who can take care of the ball and kind of get it up. For you. Yeah. That, that play is going to get you the stink eye. It, when you, A, are a black hole and don't pass back and B, when you do lose it, you don't put effort to get it back. That's going to have your teammates say, looking at you. I feel like, um, I did a video of like the times he got dispossessed and I think I left one of them in really long because it was the amount of time it took him to kind of get back in the frame because he was that far up the field, just walking back. Yeah, and that does uh, raise the whole question of effort again. And I was thinking about the the free kick and the goal and the fact that he didn't even try to block the ball. And I thought to myself, what would have happened if Paul Areola 
Paxton Pomacall, Brandon Cervania, or anybody else had been in that same position, would all of them made an attempt? I mean, my guess, it, my gut feeling is Paxton like does everything he can to head that ball away. He doesn't just stand there and watch it whiz by his face. Well, certainly, but it's also a mistake to put him in the wall. You know, it's, you got to recognize who your teammates are. But yeah, well, sure, but else puts more effort in on that play. Yeah. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I mean, Ariola is not much bigger. I think Ariola, Ariola at least tries to jump for it. Yeah. He might actually okay, be shorter. He <laughs> may actually be shorter. <laughs> yeah. He's the smallest hey, dude I've ever seen. He's an entire centimeter taller than... than uh, is he a whole centimeter? Okay. A whole centimeter. Whole centimeter. <laughs> Sorry, Paulie. That's my bad. Were yeah. you guys surprised that Cervania was subbed out at halftime? No, because, again, that came back to the idea of you wanted to keep Jesus on. You know, I don't like taking Jesus away from the goal, but, you know, you wanted that penetration out of midfield, and it was Sam or Paxton. You know, you got to take one or the other of them out if you're going to keep them on. Well, the other choice Sylvania would have been to go more. kind of anonymous in the first half, too. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, you could have gone 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one like they do sometimes with two high, with Jesus and, and uh, Hara high. And, and then you could have brought Obreon on for, like, Velasco and let Obreon and Ariola come from wide spots that way. That would have been the other sort of take you could have done, but they didn't choose to go that way. So Okay, but was was Cervania playing worse than Faco had played that first 45 minutes? No, but if you take Faco off, then different role. it's a different role. Faco's the deep six. It's a different yeah. position. You know, uh, you, were, you were bringing Jesus back in the midfield. You would have had a double eight look with Paxson and Cervini behind Jesus. And yeah. That's kinda, I mean, maybe like the way that, that defense but... was in the first two minutes, you really needed to have someone sitting in front of <laughs> I mean, you could probably, defend. Yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. I was thinking that Cervini could have sufficed in that role if you were gonna if you were really trying to push forward. He can um, six a little, yeah. He's Cervania can. Yeah, yeah, he can. I mean, it's not like it, yeah. yeah, I he, he He's <laughs> done it. It's not like asking Ferreira play to play the role, right? No, I mean, no, he Cervania played six for the U twenties, you remember, when he and Cirillo and Paxton were all in the U twenties together. Yeah. They would use Cervania as a six a lot in that team. So he can So do it. so did Faku play badly enough that uh Edwin gets the start in uh, in Austin? Um you know it, I think he always does. Uh, he has had a couple of good games. I shouldn't say that. Um, the problem is it's a road game, you know, and it's not that I don't think Edwin can play in a road game. It's that this coach seems to not think that he always plays Facundo in road games. So I think, I think against Austin, you've had enough success playing your way and that you want to be progressive against Austin. I think you'd play Edwin there, but this coach doesn't always agree with me in that certain discussion. So, Hmm. I can't, I'm having, I would have trouble that what I think I should be done and what I would do are not what I would predict this coach is going to do. Those are two very different things at that particular position. He's confusing me for some reason. Is there, is there something you wish uh, Nico had done differently uh, to at least salvage the game a little bit uh, in, against Vancouver? Yeah, I that that idea of going to that four four one one look. Um, I don't like taking Jesus, your by far your best finisher, away from goal. So I want to keep him high. I get bringing on Frank O'Hara, but I, I think I would have liked that look that they have because then you could have, as I said, you could bring Obreon in on one of your outside mid spots, and then his run from deep would work, and Ariola can play that kind of game from the other side. You know, and then you, and then it can almost make sense to bring off a 
Facundo and have a side-by-side Paxton Cervania. That makes more sense when you have two wide mids there as well. You know, so I kind of would have liked to have gone that direction. Really, that's my only complaint because the biggest thing was obviously not having hedges. The defense was a mess. And then he really only had the one available legitimate chance to bring on somebody, and that was Hara. I shouldn't like the way he chose to do it. You know, that was my biggest complaint. I think it was, it was a mistake him kind of switching Velasco into that f- central free roll and just leaving the whole right exposed for large periods. I mean, it wasn't working to kind of try and pass through him and then to bring Jesus back to then have two players kind of in a block in the middle. It's just, just a complete waste. I mean, you were going around the outside of him anyway. 24 crosses shows that that was the only success they really had. In doing it, stick you know, keep Velasco out wide. Let Ariola have the left hand side like he likes, so he can cut inside. But you know, it, it didn't necessarily need to be a well. We're going to try and try again, and we're going to pass through them when it wasn't happening. Buzz, when they made the sub at the sixty fourth minute, and he took off uh, uh, Emma and put on Obreon, did they shift to a three man in the back setup? No. Or was Obreon playing right back? No, he was playing right back. That was an attempt to, how do I use a guy who's all this one-dimensional verticality against a low block? And the idea is that you put him at right back and let him run at people and try and overload like Brian Reynolds ah. does last went under Lucci. So that didn't work, I guess. It, it didn't saying. really work. That's the attempt. And that had to do with also with with when they flipped the wings and Velasco was sort of on the right, but he was going inside and Jesus was going inside and they were leaving the right side, like wide open. That was the idea is that Velasco was not Velasco. Excuse me. O'Brien was playing the whole outside vertical space by himself. Kind of mm. SMU'd him. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, um, like Munjoma did when he was at SMU where they would give him the entire right side by himself. That was the idea. I'm not saying it worked. I'm just saying that was the, what they were doing. I mean, it worked a little better than it was with Emma. Um, Certainly. Cause there was like that 15-minute spell where they pulled Velasco inside and let Emma have the whole run, and it just it wasn't working. You remember I told you guys at the beginning of this, a friend of mine from London was watching the game live, and we were chatting back and forth on, on WhatsApp, and he actually made a, a pretty interesting observation, and he's a pretty hard, hardcore football watcher. He uh, His observation, and again, this is the first time he had seen Dallas this season, although he's aware of their season and their players and stuff, says, I feel like this team is lacking a bit of leadership and personality, lacking a player or two that want to take charge. And I thought that was a really interesting observation for somebody that has not seen this team play yet this season. Yeah, Paxton's the only guy, really. You know, Facundo and Edmund are both um, not that way. Ariola can be, but Velasco's too young. Frank O'Hara has on occasion been that way, but he wasn't in this game. There have been times where his O'Hara's personality has dominated a game, but it didn't work in this one. So yeah, they're they're missing a little zest. Cervania's a little not non-zesty. Jesus is always uh, intense, but his intensity is focused on himself. You know, he's very much a internal guy you know what i mean i think paxton's the only one that you see some of that that personality extend beyond himself really you know so i think that's fair they're pretty young though too yeah you know so well that was that was his other observation is this is clearly a team that is that is dependent on very young and experienced players and it just you just wonder how good it would be if it just had a few more veterans on it to help out 
Um, and then, of course, we had this whole back and forth about just how horrible Frank O'Hara is at finishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because oh, it really yeah. has begun to reach Christian Coleman levels of inefficiency and yeah, ridiculousness. Yeah, his, his shooting was particularly bad in this game. There's been games he hasn't been like that. There have been games where he's been much better than that. But this game, he was way, way off. I, I don't know whether it was just a time and space issue or what else was going on, but he was not. Yeah, it was bad. This is one of his worst games, in fact, I thought. All right, so are we all prepared to uh, dump on the FC Dallas social media kid uh, if uh, Dallas ends up getting smoked in Austin this weekend after the rather ballsy <laughs> tweet he posted today? It was a good tweet, though. Uh, well, sure. was it? Yeah. Was it? Their own graphics again. So yeah, crazy. I mean, it was a total jinx tweet. I mean, you're right. It's like he's going to have to eat that one if they lose. But when he put it out there, I was like, oh, that is a great tweet. I was like, it's ballsy. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, if, if Dallas ends up getting smoked this weekend, you're going to have to get that tweet tattooed yeah. on your other arm. Oh, man. Yeah. It's good. Dan's right. Like, the they're using their own screen score shots and sending it back to him. That was the best part of it. But, yeah, that's going to – I was like, dude, that was three or four. What are you doing? <laughs> Admittedly, they have owned Austin. I'll give them that. Yeah. They sure have, and they've played well. Yeah. And obviously, Jesus scored a lot of goals there for the national team just a few yeah. weeks ago. So, uh, all right, I'll, Dan, I'm going to let you start this. Uh, we'll start talking about the game in Austin. Dan, you got any any vibe as to how you think that's going to go down? I think we're going to find out in the first five minutes if uh, if Josh Wolf still thinks that they can play their way out of the back against FC Dallas. It's going to be a fun enjoyable evening uh if he decides to bunker down and counterattack, maybe not so much yeah austin is better at both ends of the field but dan's correct it's like da- dallas is best against them when they try and play and dallas presses if they if they decide to low block and counter it could be a long day for dallas but if they want to play with dallas i think dallas will have a pretty good opportunity as long as hedges is available and healthy if Hedges is not available and not healthy then you have a problem because uh, you'd end up with if if Martinez is actually good to go, which we don't know. At best, you're looking at Martinez and Nicosi, and that's it. Because Quinones is out, and Bartlett is probably still out because he has a cracked rib. And if Hedges can't go, then you have no depth at center back, and, you, and Martinez might be laboring if he's even available at all. So you have to really hope Hedges is available to be able to get in there. Yeah, so what is the backup plan, considering that Keonis did end up getting his ankle injured at the end of the game and and uh, the draft pick is yeah. out? Well, if the, if the, even if the draft pick was healthy, I'm not sure he's the option. Um, Edwin has played emergency center back, and I believe Farfan has too. So those would be your choices. Obviously, if it's Nicosi Martinez, you don't have Hedges. I mean, if, if, if Martinez is fine, then Nicosi is your guy, but... You know, this is why you have five or sometimes even six center backs on a team is because it's too important a position. You know, you miss one or two and all of a sudden you're in trouble because you got to have something that can come in during the middle of the game too. Because they don't have, you know, a Ryan that they can put in there. Farfan's probably the closest. Uh, and Edwin, he's the other mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. I mean, Edwin, emergency think, center back, uh, is not a good emergency center back though. I mean, he, he does his best, but it's not great. No offense Sorry, to Edwin. I love that kid, but that's not the thing you want to see. I was going to say, uh, Faku as emergency center back behind Edwin might not be horrible. Faku's got that little bit of height. Edwin's yeah. got a little bit more pace to, to get back and cover. Edwin's more mobile, yeah. I mean, Facundo could be a stay-at-home kind of guy. Can you imagine a Facundo Martinez center back? Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So, Buzz, <laughs> do you have any sense as to what you think Nico's going to do? For, uh, is he going to uh, kind of roll out the same lineup, but with Hedges, assuming Hedges yeah. is healthy? Or are you expecting or anticipating any other major changes? No. I, you know, Austin usually wants to play. So that, that helps Dallas. You know, uh, there's not anybody. The, the only discussion is Facundo versus Edwin. And Facundo had a bad game, but again, it's on the road. You know, mm-hmm. Nando's not doing anything to make Ema come out. Obran's not really doing anything to make it worthwhile to mention um, Velasco. So uh, you really don't have any options, frankly. I mean, I thought Cervania was fine. I didn't think he was bad by any stretch. And I'm actually think, I actually think that they play better with him in there. Um, and Sebling, who we like and ha- think has a future, is his, he's at his best late when everybody else is tired and his energy becomes really, really valuable because the games we've seen him start, he just commits like six fouls in the first half and that you can't be doing that. <laughs> Not when you're a team that gives up a lot of set play goals, you know? Right. So um, I think this team's got a very established first 11 right now, other than the Facundo Edwin thing. And the last month and a half it's been Facundo and yet they've lost three and four. So, you know, I'm ready to go with Edwin. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Austin is Saturday night down at Q2 uh, at 8 p.m. was pretty good times for Dallas down there last season. Uh, I think uh, with the way Austin's been performing this season, they're certainly uh, right now running in, in pretty good form. Oh, they're four one and two at home. That's a tough, yeah, tough. Yeah, it is, and uh, and they yeah, also had a pretty good road game, road win last week too. What Dan? So they haven't won at home since April, so there's always that. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair. You mean you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> they also, I think, three of the last five games they've had a red card in. They're, uh, they seem yeah. to be suffering a little bit of indiscipline. Well, yeah. I mean, we talk about form, and if we're talking about Dallas's form of late isn't great, Austin's form isn't that good either. They They are two wins. Uh, one tie and three losses in their last six. So, um, you know, now yeah. they did win that tough road game in Montreal, but uh, and and a road game, and and they also have a road win. But uh, to Dan's point, they haven't won at home in a bit. So yeah, uh, let's let's keep an eye on that. I haven't looked at their schedule, but this is the time of year where everyone's now cleared the Champions League. So your good teams that were before distracted are going to start playing better. Seattle's yeah. already in the playoff picture. Nashville's looking better. You know the teams that are that were good are 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 climbing the thing, and so teams like Dallas and Austin, in my mind, who are second tier teams in, at this point, in my opinion, you know, good but not great yet. They're going to slide a little as those other teams start to improve. It's just that time of year, so you know everyone's getting better. The windows around the corner. You know the heat's coming for Texas teams. You know, well, it's an interesting thing that you comment about that because while we all are prepared for the annual summer swoon. The schedule doesn't help, and if you haven't looked at Dallas's schedule for the upcoming run through August or run through July into August, it's about as brutal as it could possibly be. It starts with the game this weekend in Austin, then they have to go to uh, L.A. midweek and play LAFC, then they have a home game against Miami. Must win. Absolutely a must win. Yep. Then they have to go to Houston five days later. Then they got a, then they've got uh, five days off, and then they play NYCFC, arguably the best team in the league in in Dallas. Then they have Austin in Dallas on the sixteenth. Then they uh, go to Salt Lake, who have been on pretty good form of late. Yeah, yeah, second, second place. place. Yeah. 
Then to end July, they have the Galaxy in town. Fifth place. And then they, uh, at least here, start August, they go to Seattle. Who yeah. by then will be, you know, <laughs> skyrocketing in perfect form, ready to win yeah. MLS Cup again. Honestly, every part of this year, we've talked about how brutal this schedule is. It's like every section of the season, the schedule has been really, really rough. You remember the start of the year? We yeah. talked about how brutal the start was. Yeah. They did a really nice job at the start of the season. So, you know, I agree with you. The, the schedule for the summer is actually really brutal, but that's how you find out if you're good or not. It's like if you're good, then you're going to win a bunch of these games. If you're not good, you're not going to win a bunch of these games. I mean, that's what it is, right? So you're right that it is tough. That Miami game, huge. Peter, yeah. I think you're uh, downplayed a part of that because that finish is a long away trip. Seattle and Portland in the same week where they will stay on the West Coast. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah. They play Seattle and Portland on the trip. On the, yeah, maybe I need to go to the West Coast. It, it doesn't get any better because then it's Bogey San Jose. Then it's Philly who's good. Then it's Nashville's good. Then Salt Lake is good. Then it's Minnesota Bogey team. Then LAFC is good. I mean, Tony, the schedule is brutal in the San Western Jose, Conference. You never win there. Yeah. Colorado, you struggle there. Look, if they get, if they get into the playoffs, if they are going to finish in the top four, th- four to get that home game, they're going to earn it because the Western Conference is good and getting better. It, it certainly is a, a, a lineup of games where the thinness in certain positions really becomes a concern. Uh, yeah. as you get into that, whether it be who's going to, you know, when are we going to see Thomas Roberts come in? Like, where does he fit into this uh, scenario? And, and, uh, what happens, uh, you know, if Jesus slows down and, 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 you know, I mean, good Lord, we could just go on and on. There's, we, the season has been such a, we talked about this last week. This has been such a nice season of surprises and they have far exceeded our expectations. Oh, yeah. And I certainly feel like I played my part in jinxing them last Saturday because on the kick around the radio show, Andy and I spent an entire segment just talking about how awesome the season has turned out to be <laughs> and what, and really just, you know, things have really started to feel really good. And I was really, looking forward to another good turnout on a Saturday night and Dallas kind of putting it to a team that had just lost, gotten pounded on the road earlier in the week and who what Canadian team's not going to be able to put up with the heat they're going to be so mentally burnt and then of course they just proceeded to yeah. turn out the biggest turret of the season so you totally wrecked it I did it's my fault it's yeah. totally my fault yeah. yeah wow well uh we can hope for the best uh Austin does look much better this season and man boy would that group of fans just love it if they finally got their first win oh yeah over their big brothers from yeah. the north well if if they get skunked you can print out Eddie's tweet and send it, frame it and send it to him <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Oliver Peck lined up for a tattoo on the other arm yeah it was delicious man I gave him that it's a good tweet <laughs> it was ballsy yeah. that's for sure oh uh, yeah it, no, I gave it a chef's kiss when I saw it it's good but it's cons- man they cons- better win oh no 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 it did, caused me to wince and go yeah. oh screw it we might have might as well let <laughs> you watch the game now it's go down big yeah soccer gods are not pleased over that one yeah uh no way jose all right so uh, like i said dallas down in austin saturday at eight o'clock and then uh by probably yeah definitely before we talk again they will travel and have to play in la against lafc mm. uh before the big july 4th game wow. and the world's biggest fireworks display and is there aren't they also doing drones on the july 4th game with I even more so. drones i think so isn't that the la galaxy game 
Oh, that's right. It's the oh, Galaxy game where yeah. they're rolling out the big, the the new expanded yeah, come drone. Come on, for ship. July Fourth, that cost a shit ton. They ain't gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't give them yeah. the uh, spend money crap line anymore. Well, it's, on you know, don't forget that July Fourth is in conjunction with the city of Frisco and all that stuff. So yeah. It's, you know. For sure. Okay. Uh, what else are we forgetting to uh, chat up about? Anything? Well, the, the MLS Cup playoffs and showcase are this this later this week and next week here in Dallas. I, I put the up the schedule. MLS, MLS next playoffs. The, oh, the you said MLS Cup. No, I, I thought I heard you say MLS Cup. Yeah, it's called MLS Next Cup playoffs. Ah, I'm yeah. sorry. I misunderstood you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, they brand it kind of the same as the league, whatever. It's the playoffs for the uh, the, the kids, the academy. And, and also the showcase games, but uh, that's mostly for the younger kids. Um, FC Dallas is all their teams that managed to make the playoffs, which is good. So, you know, if you want to see them play, um, I put up the whole schedule for all the teams on FC Dallas, on thirddegree.net, sorry, for FC Dallas's games. You know, you can go see all the groups play. Uh, the, the team, if you want to see guys that are going to end up being the pros the most, I'd recommend the U17 team. That's the deepest team with the most guys likely to eventually make it. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few good teams with good players on them up and down the whole thing. Uh, but, you know, and, and there's other teams from out of town that are really, really good. I mean, there's, Dallas is nowhere near the very best teams. You know, there are other teams that are significantly better at, in different age groups. Of course, Philly is going to be some of them. Some of the NYFC's teams are spectacularly good. Um, so there's plenty of good talent if you like that kind of thing to go out and see. So, you know, I can tell you what to go see. But if you want a Dallas one, go watch the 17s above all else. You might see some guys you actually recognize play for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have two mini Huntsman dumps for you. Oh. The first is something I put on Twitter, which was the, the, the Academy U16 team is happening. Dallas is creating a new team. Before it was a rumor, but now they've actually officially told this year's U15 team that there will be a U16 team next year. So they're now actively recruiting. So that's official in terms of the organization. So they're going to put out a press release or something. So they'll have a new team next year, which is if you're in the Academy, that's interesting. My other Huntsman dump is that Andre Zanata has been out of the country. So he's off (laughs) looking at something. I'm obviously with the window or he's on vacation. It's not vacation. I seriously (laughs) doubt he's on vacation. Say last week they said he was in Brazil. Yeah, so he's off. Trips, so yeah. yeah, meeting with people, looking at teams, whatever. The windows July first, I think. So, you know, we've talked about this team's needs. We've talked about where it's deficient. We've talked about how it's a process, and it's not about this season anyway. At least I don't think it is. So, at the beginning of the year, we were talking about how it wasn't for this season at all. You know, uh-huh. with all this playing the kids stuff. So, um, we're approaching a window where. You're going to have a two to three year window with with Paxson, Jesus, Cervania, Edwin, you know, you name it, uh, academy guys that are entering sort of a, a peak sort of window for this club, depending on how long they stay here. So uh, this window is going to be, I think there'll be some activity. I'm, I'm assuming the club's not going to go through with nothing changing. I assume they'll make some moves. All right. Well, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, hopefully, uh, between now and the time we do the next episode, we'll have something positive to talk about. Because, yeah. Uh, after as well as this season started, it kind of is a stinker to have to look back at and talk about stinkers. That's not fun. No. No, it's not. That's a life lesson, Dan. Stinkers are not fun. Got it. Yep. Noted. Okay. Did you write that one down? You look like sounded like you were busy writing that down before you acknowledged it. Oh, hold on a sec. Let me. 
Stinker. How many K's are in Stinker? <laughs> Just one. Okay. <laughs> well, on the upside, as we look at these rough schedule, Peter, is that I'm not seeing any teams that low block for quite a ways. Austin, <laughs> LAFC, Miami, Houston, NYFC. Yeah, but so here's Salt the deal. Lake, those teams, none of those Seattle. So the next team that low blocks is like when you play Minnesota in September. So like as long as teams want to play with Dallas, I think they're always going to be in the game. Now, granted, the efficiency thing has got to get better, but and Hedges has got to be healthy. But still, yes, but I, you know, I think I don't think it takes a an extremely um, flexible team to be able to pull off a low block. No, Miami coming in here July 4th is the one that might try it. Yeah. And I just feel like even if you're not good at a low block, Dallas is so bad at playing against it that maybe just trying it may be better off, especially if like, for example, let's say this weekend, Austin tries to play out of the back and Dallas presses and it's not going well. It would it would seem like a smart move to shift to a low block just because Dallas is so bad at playing it. At least they yeah. have been so far, you know, even if it's not your forte, you know, throw a couple of guys who've got a little bit of speed up front and you probably have a better chance at beating Dallas that way than you do yeah. uh, with your original plan. Sure, but all these teams that they got coming up are really good, and they're mo- and a lot of them are at their home, so those teams yeah. aren't going to do that. It's the ones that are going to come here that aren't very good. Your Miami, maybe, and then I mean, you got to go way down this schedule so you run to a team that's actually not very good. San Jose, maybe, but yeah, yeah I'd say let me put one interesting thing on your calendar. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to. Um, Houston and their Hector Herrera stuff. Have you you know they signed him right? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Do you know he's my debuting? least favorite Mexican. Yeah, player. he's debuting against Dallas. Like oh, is he on July 9th? Yeah, yeah. They're way- oh other- because the tra- transfer window yeah. doesn't open till July. I, so. Right. I was looking at their website today because of the new stadium stuff they're putting out. Have you? I don't know if you saw that. They're doing like mesh seats, which look pretty cool. But anyway, I was looking on. They have all this stuff on there about Hector Herrera debuting against Dallas on the 9th. I thought, oh wow, that'll be. That'll be fun. <laughs> yes. I, you know, somebody, I did see the picture about the mess sheet seats, which uh, is a thing unto itself. But then I saw somebody reply to that, either on your Discord or Twitter, claiming that they work for uh, the architect or the builder of record that is part of some sort of larger addition yeah. to the stadium they're talking about doing down there. Well, I was looking at the thing today, and they're doing some kind of... Um, uh, on one side of the stadium, they're going to do a renovation to have like a bar that runs the length of the thing, which has have air conditioning and windows so you can get in. So you can go in and out like like um, like the south side at Toyota does where there's a bar inside. You can go in right. and out like that, that kind of thing. Beyond that, yes, there is somebody that in our discord that does work for a company that does stadiums. But, you know, I, mean, I don't know anything about what he's talking about other than that. That their new owner in Houston is very deep pocketed, and he's talking about massive renovations coming to that stadium. So, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? This supposed to, supposedly this is just the tip of the iceberg. So, I mean, we'll see. You know, who knows? Well, maybe just that that you know that would be the one stadium I would be interested in seeing them trying to integrate some of the Qatari open air air conditioning field level air conditioning systems that they're going to supposedly rolling out in Qatar for the World Cup. Because that that stadium's a sweat box. Yeah, yeah, it's hot. It's an absolute sweat box. And that would be an interesting place to see if you could pull off some of that type of technology. Just talking out loud there. Yeah, I mean, the mesh seats look nice. I think it's a good idea. I just wonder how durable they are. Oh, I mean, mean, that's that's their problem, not the the fans' problem. Okay. 
Uh, okay, well, uh, well, hopefully things will go well down in Austin, especially for those listening to the pod that are traveling down, going as a group. I hope you guys have a good time. It's a great stadium, a fun place to see a game. I really enjoyed my trip. Well, other than Buzz having to come rescue Andy and I. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're hitting the anniversary of the the awful road trip to Austin where the car, the rental car yeah. broke down. Yeah, yeah, we had the double flat tire. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, you cut more, cut short my Mount Bunnell visit. Yeah. That's right. We had yeah. double flat tire and we lost the rental car. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> remember how that part. Yeah. <laughs> the rental car went missing. Yeah, oh, uh, good times. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's hope that goes uh, well for everybody and uh, comes back with a win and we'll uh, enjoy the next pod. Dan, you got anything else? No, that's, that's about it. I admire your mechanical keyboard, my friend, by the way. Thank you. Which one is it? Uh, it's a Red Dragon something or other. It's only a like, $50 one. It's nothing special. Okay. All right. Well, always admire a man with a mechanical keyboard. That's what I say. So thank you, Dan. And thank you, Buzz. Thanks for your hard work this week. And uh, glad you're back safe and sound in the warm bosom of the North Texas area. Oh, yes. It's plenty warm. Thank you. I was enjoying the 50 degrees where I was. I bet you were. <laughs> yeah. And all the how many miles did you end up putting on the truck? Uh, just short of 6,500. Holy. All right. Wait a second. Did yeah. you buy that truck less than a year ago? Uh, in July, it'll be a year, and I literally am going to hit 30,000 miles next week. Holy smokes. Yeah, I travel for work a lot in my car. Yeah, you do. Boy, yeah. you know how to you know how to use a car like it was <laughs> yeah. intent, like it was built to be used. Yeah, that's right. Good for you. All right. Everybody, it's Buzz interrupting real quick to remind you that Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90, your source for FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Check out all the new arrivals from around the world, Fresh Sharia, Premier League, Bundesliga, and, of course, unless club merch, including all the FC Dallas stuff, including the New Jersey. Third Degree listeners get you 20% off at Soccer90.com with the promo code Third Degree. Some exclusions reply. Well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. Uh, good luck this weekend to you as well, and we will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Did he say warm bosom? Third Degree, the 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 Third Deg